0: Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. An enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son. A male child who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. Last year, we were walking back from the Christmas parade. They had just lit up the Christmas tree. And we overheard a young couple from out of town talking. The girlfriend was saying to her boyfriend, I just don't get how that large Christmas tree hangs there. And the boyfriend said, it's on a mountain. And she goes, well, yeah, I know I get that. But like, surely there's some scaffolding or some large metal beams holding it up to have that huge tree sitting up there. To which she responded, more annoyed, it's a mountain. (laughs) And I got to thinking about it. If you showed up in the dark never have been to town before and you saw an entire christmas tree hanging in the sky it would be hard to picture the mountain underneath it and you know what i thought i thought hope's awful lot like that sometimes hope's a lot like that feeling that this girl had looking at s mountain And sometimes it's just how we treat hope. And sometimes life can seem like a very dark place. We see the pain in our lives, the hurt in people around us, the wars raging throughout the world, and we can't help but have a feeling of hopelessness. The world can feel like a dark, cold, windy winter night like last night. And the problems around us can make us feel bitter, angry, and resentful. Yet there's hope. There's hope because Christmas is here. A while ago, a guy named Charles Spurgeon was preaching. Okay, Charles Spurgeon's nickname was the Prince of Preaching. You have to be a pretty good preacher to be nicknamed the Prince of Preaching, right? You're pretty good at that craft. So in, on December 23rd, 1855, he started out his sermon with these lines. He said, this is the season of the year when whether we wish it or not, we are compelled to think of the birth of Christ. His sermon went on to outline how December 25th is probably not the actual birthday of Jesus. And we all know the pagan origins of Christmas and how Christians redeemed the drunken orgies during the winter to celebrating the birth of Christ. And Sermon Spurgeon's sermon went on to dispel any notion that uh, that we are religiously required to celebrate Christmas. However, he ended his sermon with these lines. However, I wish there were ten or a dozen Christmas days in the year as an opportunity to preach on the incarnation of Jesus. So are the origins of Christmas rough? Yes, yes. Does consumerism sometimes out overshadow the birth of a savior? Absolutely. Are we required as Christians to celebrate Christmas? No. But we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity every Christmas to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And I ask, would we rather it go back to a pagan holiday? For example, you can go up to Breckenridge this time of year where they celebrate Ullerfest which is some of these pagan origins that Christmas came out of. And so we don't want that, right? So for all the imperfections of Christmas, my hope is that we will see in the coming weeks the perfection, the true perfection of Christmas. Because every Christmas, people use words like peace, hope, joy and love they use them as christmas decorations they hang them up they put them all over the place and those words kind of seem cliche to us we see them so often this time of year but i wonder do we really understand their meaning do we know the deeper significance of these words and how they work and what they mean in our lives so today we start with the word hope And I think when we often talk about the word hope, oftentimes the word we're using for hope is actually optimism. We think we are positive and optimistic, optimistic people. Optimism is seeing how in difficult situations things might work for the best. And we know this, right? Optimism can get us a long ways in life, and we can see how good has come out of bad situations. We can be optimistic, but sometimes situations are so bad in life that to be optimistic would be to actually be naive. So, let me tell you of such circumstances, but before then, let's go to our God in prayer. Our Father in heaven, We come before you with heavy hearts, seeing all the pain in this world. But this Christmas, we come to you. We come to you asking for your hope to come into our hearts, to push us, and to carry us, and to pull us on. In a hopeless world, may your spirit give us a real and deeper hope. This morning, I ask that you would pour through me the gift of preaching that Christ may be formed in hearts. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. History and the Bible tell us story after story of wars, of family feuds, of lies, of murders, of addictions, of greeds, of lust of the flesh. And in the first book of the Bible called Genesis, it explains how it all came to be. God and man walked together in the cool of the morning and they lived in harmony. Everything was perfect. But in the center of the garden was one tree, and God said, do not eat from this one tree. And this tree represented a choice. A choice to trust God and to follow God's commands, or a choice to be one's own God, to do everything one's own way. And so ultimately, Adam and Eve ate from the tree And this is where brokenness, where sin, where hurt, where pain and heartache entered into the world. And so the question of the rest of the Bible, in part, the question is, how will God respond to this brokenness? What will God do about uh, these things that we call sin and death? And so God gives those in the Old Testament laws, rules, covenants, and commands. And they helped, but they only went so far. And God went on to send angels and to give them prophets. And at times there were moments of great growth. And they listened to the prophets and the angels. And at times they went astray. So it became clear in the Bible. It became clear that humanity needed more. So the Bible documents God's great restoration plan. And so what's God's answer to all this? To all these things that we feel all the time, to the hurt, to the brokenness, to the depression, to the wars raging on, God's answer came in the form of a person. God answered hundreds of prophecies that a person would come to fix these problems. Here's a couple examples of them. But you... Bethlehem, Ethria, Hath. Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from the old, from the ancient times. Let's look at this next one from Isaiah. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God with us generations would pass, and they would never see the arrival of this person. I think those generations are who we can learn from today. How did they have hope in difficult times? How did they carry on when they knew their entire lives would be lived in difficulty, where they would never see the day like Simeon when the lord would arrive how could they trust god would be faithful when bad people seem to be ruling the and controlling the world and this is where we find words of hope for us see for the english word hope there are actually primarily three hebrew words that translate to our english word for hope each one of us of them gives us a clue as to how we are to live our lives with hope, so let me explain them to you. First, we have "yakal." "Yakal" uh, means to wait for. For example, when Noah was on the boat waiting for the flood waters to recede, he had to yakal for many days that he waited for dry land to come until the dove brought something for him. Right, and so sometimes hope is actually waiting, when we hope we are actually waiting. But waiting is not fun, right? Last year, we were in a long line to see Santa, and the kids had so much anticipation and excitement to see Santa, to sit in his lap, to talk to Santa. But waiting in the cold, long line was hard, and it led to a lot of impatience for my kids, a lot of whining, a lot of complaining, Because waiting is hard. It takes patience. A fruit of the Spirit is patience, right? And if we are going to have hope, sometimes we have to have the spiritual fruit of patience to wait. Here's another Hebrew word for hope. Quava. Quavah is the name of it, which means to wait, but it is related to the word quav, which means cord. When you pull a cord tightly, you have tension in it. This tension in the cord is qual. It is a feeling of tension and ex- expectation as we wait. So, when we feel the tension in life, when we see the brokenness, when we see the hurting, when we see the evil, when we see the pain in the world, strangely enough, It's a good thing. This means that you're seeing the brokenness in the world through the eyes of God. You're seeing it how God sees it. Part of hope is waiting with the tension of the brokenness to see how God will defeat all of it. And this is where faith becomes a part of hope. In faith, we wait. We have an expectation that God is going to do something about all these problems we see in the world. Our hope is that God hasn't given up on the world. That God will ultimately win. The prophet Isaiah depicts God as a as a vineyard, or as a farmer planting a vineyard. And God quaffs the vineyard. As he waits for good grapes. And so here's the part where we have to be honest for it with ourselves. The hardest part of waiting in this tension is waiting for God. Because it turns out God's more patient than we are. God's timing is often not our timing. God is often growing something inside of us, some hope and some faith inside of us while we wait. While we ask God, why are you doing, or it seems that you are not doing something about this, God is, in fact, doing something in our very hearts. <clears throat> and so the last Hebrew word I want to share with you today is tikvah. Now, at this point, I know it's more like a Hanukkah sermon than it is like a Christmas sermon, but hang in there with me. We'll get to some good stuff in a second. In Hebrew, this word means expectation, but it also means cord or rope, which comes from the root word that means to wait for, or to bind, or to wait upon. Tikfa is a rope that we can hang on to when the world seems to be out of control, or when we don't know how to make it through a difficult season in life. Like the promise given to the Israelites before they went into captivity. Let me give you an example of this. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, the plans to give you a future and a tikvah, a rope, a rope to bring you from Babylon back home. Tikva is used in the biblical story of Joshua. You remember when the spies went in there and they're looking around and they're like, we got to take over Jericho. And so they go naturally to hang out at the prostitute's house. A weird twist in the Bible, right? And the king gets word that the prostitute um, has been Rahab has been taking care of them. And she's terrified. She fears for her life. And the spies promise her that everything will be all right. And as a symbol of this hope, she should hang a tikvah, a rope, outside of her window. And so when they went marching around seven times, everything fell but what? Her place. The tikvah was the hope holding her on. And here's what I believe someone needs to hear today. Hope is a lifeline. Hope is the rope that connects us to God. Hope is the thing we cling to when we are on the cliffs of life, when we are raging out in the seas, lost at sea. We cling on to hope. Hope is a rope. So what do we hope for? We hope for God himself. Around this time of year, we talk about the word Advent. Hope is a part of Advent. Advent is a time where we celebrate the arrival of Jesus. But not just the first arrival. We wait in anticipation with hope for the second arrival. So, our hope is found in God. Himself and God answers the question to our hope, to our doubts, to our hurts, to our pains this way. Next slide. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Our hope is in the incarnation. The notion that God would come down, would leave his throne and show us how to live. That God would stand against our desires to continually eat from the tree and that God would defeat this desire. We can hope in so many things in this life. But the only true hope, the only true hope found in this world is found in Jesus. It's found in Christ. It's found in our Lord. And so after Jesus' ascension, they had a new word for hope. The Greek word for hope is ellipsis. The empty tomb opened up a new door for hope. Ellipsis is a living Hope, a hope that we can turn from sin and death and be reborn. And so Peter puts it like this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3: Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into an ellipsis, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so what we experience now is just the first fruits of hope as we anticipate the liberation of all of creation. And so Christian hope is bold. Some to some it might seem naive to have this hope. But hope for us is not optimism based on future odds of what will happen. Our hope is based on a crucified man who raised himself from the dead through the power of his father. So Christian hope looks back in order to look forward. God's past faithfulness motivates us for hope for the future. We look forward by looking back. Our primary reason for hope is God's character. Over and over again, God tells us who he is. And he does something about it. We can have hope in God's character. So let me give you some hope this morning. What is this crazy verse that I started the sermon with? It sounds like something more from like a science fiction book, right? That you should go in the library and check that out. Not from the Bible. What is going on here? Well, turns out what's going on here is the birth of Christ Christ through heaven's view. We see the evil one, the one we often call Satan, working like a dragon to destroy the hope of the world. But the hope didn't win. And here's the beauty of the incarnation, that we don't often see, that we don't often look at the spiritual forces and the spiritual realms, but the beauty is that God has been, is, And we'll continue to fight battles that we don't even know or understand for us. That God is working to care for us, to fight Satan away, to push these evil forces away, to take care of us, because that is who God is. And so when we think about Advent, we think about the second coming of Christ. And this is why I believe the most hopeful book in the entire Bible is the book of Revelation. Because the book of Revelation is about what is going to happen. Of what God is going to do. The things that you and I will see someday come to fruition. And so we wait expectantly. And so sometimes as we live with this hope, we look up at the beauty of the Christmas lights. Like the Christmas tree on S Mountain. But hope, hope is Seeing those Christmas lights in the dark, but having the faith to believe that underneath those lights is an entire mountain of God's work, of God's love, of God's providence, of God's plans working to light up that mountain to give us some hope in the darkest of nights. And that is something to hope for. So we wait expectantly. We wait expectantly, living in the tension of the pain that this world has, but we have a living hope. We have a living hope because we have a lifeline in Jesus. Hope is a rope. So let's close in prayer. (coughs) Our Father in heaven, we come before you holding on to our rope, our rope of hope in you. We hope now, but we know that one day our hope will be fulfilled, that someday all our dreams will come true and they will be better than we could ask or imagine. Someday at Christmas, we'll get to live to see that. But until that day comes, God, we ask that your spirit would give us strength to wait patiently, expectantly, and to cling to you as our rope of hope. So we thank you for Jesus. Your answer to everything, all the hurts and the pains of the world. And we pray all of this in his name. And the church said, Amen. Amen.